Tuesday, May 7th, 2019, and you are tuned into HTM Sports here at HittingTheMarks.com, twitch.tv, backslash Hitting the Marks. My name is Jargo. That's my favorite Huckleberry, the real RBV on location once again today. So sorry if his camera doesn't look, you know, all that beautiful because, you know, public Wi-Fi sucks. HTM Sports, Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's an R of B to the Rick Vickery. And you kind of put me on the spot. You know, maybe if I wasn't overcharging for my services, they can afford a little bit better internet provider services. That's clearly what's going on. I think the other thing that's clearly going on is the, the upgrade was scheduled for the broadband, and then you lost all of the money on the Kentucky Derby. Huckleberry, I can't believe that we're going to lead with horse racing, but here we are. Maximum security wins the Kentucky Derby. I mean, 22 minutes later, country house wins the Kentucky Derby, and now it's all up in the air again. Rick, I think everybody's become a horse racing expert over the course of the last 48 to 72 hours. I know that you were at a derby party. What was the feeling inside the room, and do you think this was the right call? Well, you know, exactly where where I'm sitting at right now, a fabulous, fantastic friend of mine, uh, owner of this fine establishment, Mr. Dominic Camarco. He goes from, a, uh, I believe, like a uh, $60, $75 bet Looking at winning, like I want to say, it was right around two grand, and he has that all pulled away from him within moments uh, of them reversing this decision. But hey, I like to point this out before we really dive into some of the news that we're getting here in these developments. People are a little overreacting because they say it. It says right there on the screen, you know, just like in professional wrestling, card subject to change, results unofficial, unofficial results. So you can't get too excited until they actually post, you know, the outcome there. Well, and now we are seeing a bit of a fallout. Um, obviously, like I said, I've become an expert in horse racing over the last 72 hours. Um, I guess the place to start, Maximum Security was by far the favorite to win this thing. Um, he's a three-year-old horse. Everybody acknowledges he was by far the best horse in the race. But now, Rick, we're pulling him. He's not going to do the Preakness. He's not going to do the Belmont because ownership says if we can't win the Triple Crown, why in the hell are we even going to put him in the race? It's a hard argument to go against because those Triple Crown horses make the owners a lot of money, and especially well, being I mean, able to be a three-year-old horse. I mean, just to think how confident you are in this horse going forward, what a year its difference can make in horse racing. Yeah, you know, to, to try to hold down, you know, try to hold the, the horse off until next year to try to, you know, chase that, uh, you know, the, the crown jewel of horse racing and that triple crown. But hey, as you're talking about, I mean, how confident you are to wait for that bigger payday? Think about the money they're leaving on the table, but just by not going out and winning a couple more races here. Yeah, because this is big money. My ex-wife was from Kentucky. I've been down in the area. I mean, some of these freaking horse barns are nicer than any house I'll ever see the inside of. It's it's absolutely ridiculous how these horses are treated down there. Oh, I mean, they're they're living they're living lifestyles that you and I can can only fantasize about. And now the contested finish has been contested as the owners of Maximum Security want the the powers that be at the Horse Racing Alliance to uh, take another look at this thing, see if we can overturn it. Rick, I, I guess the thing I don't understand is this rule. Because to me, when I watch horse racing, I see all these horses come out of the gate. If there's 20 horses in the race, 19 of them are being impeded by forward progress because there's one horse that's in the front and they all run together. I don't understand it, 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 this rule. 
it's more of a situation where I this, this is a, a sport of kings. So you know they, they got those gentlemen rules in there. You're supposed to be a little a little bit higher standard. Uh, so it is a very fine line of remaining in your lane without you know just kind of do that intentional cutoff. I mean this isn't. This isn't NASCAR where you're going to see the horses trapped in and you got your teammate looking to bump somebody out and spin one of these ponies around like, you know, uh, you all the reasons that people love auto racing. Yeah, it's much more refined and, I guess, tasteful. So hey, but this is the, you know, the first time that we've seen this in Kentucky Derby, 145 years of this. Well, it's the and second time. It's the second anything. time a race winner has been disqualified. It's the first time due to anything inside yeah. of the race. Correct. Yeah, so the first time under these circumstances. Yeah, the first time the, the horse tested positive for steroids or something. He, he must be on the Brock Lesnar diet and USADA came knocking or something. Yeah, we were talking about the other lifestyles of those horses compared to ours. We we actually have a much slimmer chance of being turned into glue or dog food, so, uh, so I'll roll with it. There is that. Now, I, I think everybody agrees maximum security was by far the best horse, wh- wh- whether you take all the details out of it or not. And I'm hearing a lot of argument of it's the Kentucky Derby. It, the best horse should have won the Kentucky Derby. And, and Rick, I can't go with that. I got to go with Country House here. And I, I, I'm to, to bat for Country House just a little bit. You know, inside we talk about inside of the NBA. When it gets down to the end of the game, if it was a foul in the first quarter, it's a foul in the fourth quarter. We look at the NFL. And if it was pass interference in the first quarter, it's pass interference in the fourth quarter. If this was illegal in the Kentucky Derby, it's illegal in every other race. I I, I got to go with whatever the stewards are saying here. I, I, I get I get where you're going here, but Jago, let's remember that the green makes the world go round. Yeah, when we're talking about hardcore bucks, and when you when you're having the best horse, I mean, look at what overall what the entire organization, the, the television channels, the venues, what they are losing. By having the best horse not chasing that triple crown. Yeah, that's true. Although, you know, the, the triple crown's been won in our lifetime, what, twice? I said it's such a rare feat. You know, but each time, if you get closer and closer, just even that next race is going to see a significant dip in, in what their financial gains are. Leading with horse racing. What in the world are we thinking? Let's talk about something that we know a little bit about. Let's flip things over to the NBA. Uh, Huckleberry, the, the, the NBA is getting absolutely intense at this point. Um, series kind of tied all the way around with the exception of one that's at three games to one. I guess let's start with the moneymaker, which is Houston and Golden State tied up at two. Both teams holding home court, although all these games have been really, really close. I was watching the game on Saturday, and I was really, really bothered, and I've been looking forward to venting about this since Saturday. With about 17 seconds left, the Warriors are down five points, and they just let the Rockets inbound the ball and go. Like, they just quit playing. I don't understand this whatsoever. Aren't you supposed to foul and hope they miss free throws and it takes five minutes to play the last 10 seconds? You're just, you're just going to quit. And then they didn't hardly even show up last night. Like, I, I feel like that was the turning point of this entire series. Well, I think, you know, that, that ultimately falls on your coaching there. So I, you know, maybe the logic is, Hey, you know, maybe we'll get, we'll pick something off here, get a big shot to get out of here, or we'll just regroup and come back. You're right. It's kind of hard to explain what kind of what they're going through. And then they just kind of, you know, ride that lull over to the next game. To me, what we've seen in this series, uh, two big points here, and, and you do have it on the run. I had it on my notes, you know, as well, is 
where are the Splash Brothers? Yeah, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson kind of missing throughout this series. You know, and we talk about how great Kevin Durant is. You know, he obviously has kind of elevated himself to the best player in the league right now. Hey, they're still hanging on just with him, but they should be, you know, no pun intended with Splash Brothers, they should be, you know, blowing this thing out of the water if we're getting production you know, from, you know, the rest of the stars here on this roster. And again, what also stands out to me on the other side of the ball with the Rockets is what I've been complaining about year after year, you know, week after week since we start this program here is James Harden continues to be the poster child for everything that is wrong with this thing. I, I mean, he is out there crying and whining every opportunity. Uh, one that sticks out from yesterday, Durant absolutely comes up from behind him and just swats it off the glass and he got you got Harden running around immediately on the baseline, grabbing the back of his head, uh, as if like he just got he just got like blindsided with a, a haymaker from Mike Tyson or something. Well, you know, to kind of bring it back to our audience, Vince McMahon wishes that Seth Rollins sold like freaking James Harden. I mean, I'm I'm watching this thing, and James Harden sells better than anybody inside of the WWE at this point. It's absolutely freaking ridiculous. I can hardly stand to watch Houston, which is a damn shame, because I love me some Chris Paul. And I still feel like Chris Paul is the most important person inside of this series. If Chris Paul keeps his cool, Chris Paul stays cool, calm, and collected, goes out and gives you 16 points and 10 assists... Houston's going to win that game. You know Harden's going to go play his stupid iso ball and flop all over the floor. When Harden's on the bench, I really like watching the Houston Rockets. I, I still think, you know, this thing still belongs. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Houston doesn't get another win here. I, I don't think we're going to seven. I think, you know, they're, they're just going to get it right in Golden State or Durant himself is just going to go to another level. Um, I think if Houston's going to stand a chance, they have to steal Game 5 in Golden State because you're not winning a Game 7 inside of Oracle Arena. You've got to win Game 5, and then you've got to win Game 6 and wrap that thing up in Houston. You don't want to go back to Game 7 in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to push it. You know, this this is a big series for Durant. I heard this conversation the other day. absolutely agreed 100% with it. Uh, this is a moment for him. You know, to kind of get that boulder off of his back. I mean, look at everything that he has been through his career. He's as great as he is. And when we talk about him now, he's the number one player in the league. But kind of overall, respectively, he's number two. You know, he was drafted number two uh, in in OKC. They, they went chose with Westbrook. Westbrook. They chose Westbrook. Even in Golden State, even though he is obviously the best player on that team, he is not, you know, the poster child, the, the fanfare as you have with Seth. Yep. You might be well, the best when, player in the world, but this is still Steph's well, team. And, yeah, and you know, in many ways, too. You, and even when we talk about the best player in the world, it's always, well, there's LeBron, too. If LeBron had those weapons. So, it, oh, and this this was even brought up, too. You know, it, even at Nike, he has the second biggest contract. About to be the third. Zion's about to get paid. Tell you that. Uh, I, I think they might they might be just start like their own wing, like jump man for him. Yeah. Uh, you brought up the Splash Bros. Steph Curry has missed 34 three-pointers in this series, which is incredibly un-Steph Curry-like. He is dealing with a finger issue. I guess he's got like a dislocated finger, which I can understand. Oh, it, is, it is funky. It is gnarly. It, it just is cringeworthy to look at. But hey, For a shooter, I can see that being a problem. Hey, shooter's got to shoot. He's going to keep shooting it until he finds some kind of rhythm here. My bigger concern is I was watching that game three, and he missed a layup and a dunk right there at the end of the game. 
yeah, your, your legs aren't connected to your finger. There's something going on with his legs, too. We saw him roll that ankle, and I think it was game one, and uh, he hasn't quite been right since. Clay Thompson, 8 for 26 in this series. What the hell is going on with Clay Thompson? Has he got his eyes on July? I was just going to say, you know, it's it's one of those things. These guys are going to get it right at some point, and that's going to be the breakout for them, though. But it has been kind of disappointing watching so far. You still lean in Golden State? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm, I just I wouldn't be surprised if I win here. Interesting. Uh, Portland and Denver all tied up at two. The Denver Nuggets, for some reason, people are surprised by this. I, is it just because they're a young team? Is it because they've never been there before? Is it because the Denver Nuggets are the fourth most popular team in Denver, Colorado? I mean, you've got the Avalanche, you've got the Bronco. There's no way that people are talking about Denver. But, Rick, I, I think they might be the best team inside of these playoffs. Not the most talented, but they might be the best team in the playoffs. Uh, I, I would agree with you there, but again, you know, don't don't cut Portland short at all. I mean, they, they've got some serious star power there. It's all going to be about the Joker. Uh, the Joker, Giocic. Second consecutive triple-double, 21 points, 12 boards, 11 assists the other night. And then he limped to the bench with 50 seconds, 47.9, left on the clock. If he's out, so are the Denver Nuggets. It's crazy that a seven-footer... They run their offense through a seven footer because he can stand out there and shoot threes. He can go down on the block. You know, we talk about James Harden. We talk about LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, guys that can handle the ball. They run the offense and Denver's like, screw you. We got a seven footer. We'd run our offense through. Well, you know, just a little bit of like the, uh, the evolution of Dirk. Yeah. That's, that's very much what it reminds me of. And this is going to ruin the game because these big seven footers out there shooting threes. That's not how basketball is meant to well, be played. Well, and you know that's that's where they change that though. When you saw Dirk going out, starting to to take, you know, go beyond the arc there, and it, that really, you know, it, uh, who was Superman back in the day? Uh, the big guy from Orlando, Dwight Howard. They went to Phoenix. Dwight Howard, when he tried evolving his game, start going out, it completely destroyed him, and he he was kind of that last big man down low. That you know, before they made this evolution, where everyone on that court is going to go out there and and. You know, attempt to drain threes. Dwight Howard should have developed a five-foot jump shot before he went out to 30 feet. Guy can't shoot to save his goddamn life. Milwaukee assaults Boston. I mean, just assaults them. Boston has won, or well, no, I'm sorry. Milwaukee has won three straight in this series. Last week on HTM Sports, Rick, we, we fucked up. We declared this series over after Boston blew out Milwaukee in game one. And evidently, Giannis heard it, and he didn't appreciate it much. Uh, and this could be like a running theme here on the show, our segment where we fucked up. Because uh, it seems like every week we're, we're saying something that we have to go back and serious backtrack, uh, a big old helping of Crow. Uh, and this is this for this week. Uh, a big swing and a miss on our behalf. Boston shoots 9 of 41 in game three, or game four from three. 9 of 41. You would think if it's not falling, maybe you should throw the ball inside. Call me crazy, but why do you shoot 41 threes if they're just not falling, let alone against a team like Milwaukee? Shoot or shoot. Keep shooting. And boy, do they. Live and die. Boy, do they. Kyrie Irving shoots 7 of 22 
7 of 22 from the field. Jason Tatum has all but disappeared inside of this series. He has been completely eliminated, which I actually write up more to Milwaukee than I do Jason Tatum kind of falling off the face of the earth. Milwaukee plays real defense, man. Do you think there's any chance Milwaukee could actually win this thing? And I'm not talking about this series. I'm talking about the NBA playoffs. Uh, you know, are you talking the East or a, ch- a true NBA I'm, championship? I'm talking a championship because there's nobody in the West that plays defense like Milwaukee. That's a fact. I, I get you with that. You know, it's it's going to be tough whoever they get there with, though, because even when you man up, you know, Cleveland, Cleveland not – why they weren't at the level defensively as Milwaukee. I mean, they, they only got it. They only got it right once in how many tries? Uh, they just got lucky enough to pick off a wounded Warrior team coming in uh, before KD. Again, uh, you still just have to favor the West because they're on such different levels. You, you know, I never understood how we didn't pick this up. This is a nightmare matchup for Boston. Because when I look at Boston's roster, they yeah, they got some players, but they don't have a whole lot of shooters. And that's what you need to beat Milwaukee. Like, I feel like Golden State could beat Milwaukee, assuming the Splash Brothers can actually hit water if they fall out of a boat. Um, you can't drive on them. Giannis is too damn big. And Boston is full of slashers. Jason Tatum can't get to the rim. Kyrie Irving, he can't get to the rim because you've got freaking Giannis down there. This is just a matchup nightmare for Boston. And now Boston's frustrated and their frustration has made them frustrated. And it's just, it's, it's all snowballing on, on itself. Well, as you said, it it is, that's pretty much, you know, for the success in this league is it is a shooter's league anymore. Uh, it's not about the slash and the drive, cutting the lanes and all that anymore. Uh, but we'll, but running into a Boston team where they are structured still that way, you know, Milwaukee's got the roadblocks for them. And there's two other teams in the East that are built that way, and they are Philadelphia and Toronto. Both of those teams are built that way too, which is why I'm leaning advantage Milwaukee inside the East. This series also tied up at two, and all of a sudden it has turned into the Kawhi Leonard show. It's like everybody's talking about Kevin Durant and James Harden, and Kawhi is like, hey, hold my beer. Kawhi Leonard, 39 points the other night, 13 of 20 shooting. He's averaging 38 points and 62% shooting in this series against Philadelphia, which is just absolutely ridiculous. But, Rick, I'm, I'm not sure, the more I watch Toronto, that there really is a market for Kawhi Leonard. Because as much as we rip on James Harden, as much as we rip on Russell Westbrook about just playing that ISO offense, that's literally what Kawhi Leonard does. I don't think I've ever seen the guy pass the ball. Yeah, I have to. And, it's, and again, you know, we're looking at these interesting matchups where you're putting your chess pieces. And, and back to what your point is, you know, when you take these styles, yes, this is going to be, they built this team to protect themselves in the East. But not, I don't see any of these teams being able to hang in the West. No, the only one is Milwaukee, and that's if their defense holds a minute. Well, and that's even at that point. No, you're not so worried. I mean, if you if you happen to get – well, I guess you would take the ISO out of the hands a little bit. But, you know, Harden's still going to step back and shoot. And with the Warriors, you know, then you have to rely on just kicking out to the Slash Brothers. You, you have Durant creating those outside open shots. Hey, even as good as Milwaukee is, man, it's going to be tough. I mean, the, the best Slash in the game, you know, going back to a traditional style, is is KD. 
Let's talk a little bit about the Lakers, especially as we're sitting here talking about Kawhi, because you know where where Kawhi Leonard should go? He should be a Laker. That's the perfect situation for him, because you have LeBron, who also has to have the ball. Everything runs through LeBron, but Kawhi, he's kind of like Carmelo, man. He could just run to a spot, catch the ball, and shoot, because you know he ain't going to pass the damn thing. Just take the ball out of his hands. Let somebody else run around with it. That's who Kawhi needs to be playing with. He doesn't fit in on the Clippers. Um, but the Lakers have themselves a little bit of a problem here, Rick, and the problem is the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns have signed the coach that the Lakers wanted. The Phoenix Suns, who were the worst team in the freaking league, is a better job than the Los Angeles Lakers right now. This thing's going to turn into Cleveland West, but what the hell does this say about the status of the Lakers inside of the league? Well, I think, you know, if if we could sit out here, if we could make this observation, you know, sitting here on hashtag HTM Sports, and we're seeing, you know, those that are getting paid the big bucks from, you know, your FS1s and your ESPNs, and they can see this stuff. What do you think they actually see inside the league? You know, how much uh, an actual train wreck this is actually becoming? You know, I, I've been on the Rob Polinka train. I like lot, Rob Polinka a lot. I think he's got a great mind for the business. Rob Polinka's got to go. Because nothing's getting done under Rob Polinka's watch. Of course, we have no president at this point. Just... Just turn them into the Los Angeles LeBrons. We're going to end up with Ty Lue as our freaking coach. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Kyrie Irving joins LeBron in Los Angeles next year. It's turning into Cleveland well, West. Little, well, you just got a little, you know, a little spelling change there, and you've got L.A. Bronze. Yep, there you go. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it at this point. What do you think? Because Kyrie seems like he has realized, holy shit, this whole leading a team thing is really, really hard. Maybe I should go back to being Scottie Pippen. Maybe I should go back to being number two. Maybe I should hook up with Ty Lue and LeBron. You know, let's let, let's see how good that Cavaliers team would be in the West. And I still think they're about number five or six. Well, I mean, you know, possibly you get out of the, that you take those parts that you thought were going to work move those to, you know, move those out to Hollywood where you got the bigger city, the bigger eyes, the bigger market, see what you can do there. But like you said, again, you're still a few pieces away from competing with these superpowers in the West. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they match up with any of the teams that are still playing inside the West. Let's, uh, let's talk about five of the greatest words in all of professional sports. Five of the greatest words. Stanley Cup playoffs game seven that's right we got two of them this week two game sevens the western conference is just blowing up we'll talk about those in a second let's start things off in the east of course we know that the islanders are awful they they were swept out of the second round by the mighty carolina hurricanes that just seems weird to say and now we know who they're going to be taking on as the Blue Jackets have been sent packing. The Boston Bruins, the, the original six, the big dick came out and they took care of the Columbus Blue Jackets. They outlasted the Leafs in the first round. And now this thing is over. And I, I, I mean, not just the next series, not the Eastern Conference playoffs, the entire thing is over. Just put Boston's name on the cup, Rick, because Tuka Rask is hot. And if Tuka Rask gets hot, ain't nobody going to beat him. Ask the Columbus Blue Jackets who got beat well, three you to know, nothing. Hold on. You know, you know, we're talking about, you know, going into these playoffs. We were looking at, you know, who could be these dark horses 
you know, who's going to be that outside pick. And, and we've talked about when you get into these playoffs, it's about that goalie. This is probably more than any other sport in a playoff position where one true position can, can just dictate, take over, you know, your destiny, your future, where you're going to go. As you say that right now, that's hard to argue, Jargo. But, you know, even when we're talking about game sevens in the West, there's a, good, there's a lot of ice starting to get under these skates. And being, you know, to be able to sustain that level of success, you know, that's, that's easier said than done here when you're making this run through this playoff for, you know, in what is the toughest playoff road in all professional sports. Columbus lit him up, man. 39 shots, 39 saves for Tuka Rask. I I remember when Chicago played against Boston a couple of years ago when it came to this, and Tuka Rask is absolutely no joke when he gets going on that role. We're going to talk about it with Bishop down in Dallas here, too. Columbus, though, I find in a very, very interesting position because three of their best players are unrestricted free agents at the end of this year. Uh, Matt Duchesne and Ryan Zingle both brought in on trades. They knew those were going to be expiring contracts. But the one that's really going to hurt them is Artemi Panarin, who I, I honestly believe is probably the best young player in the NHL. I was pissed off when Chicago got rid of him. My God, Artemi, please come back. Um, Rick, he has refused to re-sign with Columbus up until this point. He wanted to focus on the playoffs. Is there any chance that you can keep a young stud in the NHL like well, this I in could, Columbus, Ohio? I, I could just tell you this. History would say no there, but they're, you know, even going into this season, you know, where there was a great deal of concern, hey, this is our one shot. We've got to go out there swinging with everything we've got and hope that we hit a home run. And I think that, you know, the true fans there in the Columbus Basin throughout the state of Ohio, they're very proud of what this team was able to accomplish. Uh, but now, be. you know, now it's the biggest worry is how many steps do you take back? You know, they worked so hard to get to this point, you know, over the years and years and years. You, you don't want to go so far back where you feel like you're almost in that, that infancy stage in your franchise. Even if they lose him, they, they've got to be able to, you know, hopefully lock out two of these guys or be able to be, you know, really aggressive out there on that market and say, hey, you know, and, and it is, as you're saying, it's a different pitch when you're looking at these big franchises with the history. But Columbus is a very nice town. It is a great city to, to live in. There's a lot. That, you know, that, that they can really pull people in with. And when you're talking about that base for that market, you know, that fan base, you know, outside of, of college, you're the pro team there. It's true, man. I just I, I look at somebody like Artemi Panarin, who's a good-looking kid. He's really, really young. He's really, really good. And I look at the marketing opportunities, the endorsement opportunities inside of a market like a New York or a Los Angeles, a Chicago it kind of reminds me when the league's looking around and you're, you know, you're on this verge of this resurgence, you know, that's taken just the league itself so long to get reestablished. And you've got somebody like him, you know, kind of reminds you uh, of, you know, Gretzky, uh, Gretzky going to L.A. Yeah, that's you know, to very put that much. franchise in L.A. on the, the map. I uh, just watched the 30 for 30 the other day about that move with Gretzky and how impactful he was. I mean, he put the Kings on the map. There was individuals that had never been in hockey games, didn't know any players, barely knew any teams, but they knew Gretzky. And you had all the Hollywood people coming out in droves, you know, just ordering season tickets just to make sure they had an opportunity to check him out. Yep. 
Yeah, the great one was fantastic. Let's talk about the Western Conference, the two Game 7s. Tonight we have Dallas at St. Louis, and Ben Bishop takes center stage, of course, the goalie for the Dallas Stars. Uh, Rick, this thing got real interesting the other night as uh, St. Louis was kind of handed one. Um, Bishop took a, a terrible shot straight to his collarbone from a puck, and it dropped him. And then St. Louis ended up scoring. There was a lot of people that thought that play should have been stopped. Bishop goes over to the bench. The Bishop says he's going to play tonight. He says that he's good to go. But, man, would you want to be a goalie in a Game 7 of the Stanley Cup playoffs with a bad collarbone? Well, you know, they're going to be ready. To, they're going to be ready to, uh, you know, support him in every way and, and replace him if he, but this is what you do. I mean, champions show up. Adrenaline's yeah, a hell of a drug. Sure. Right, a couple, couple of shots of quarters and you're feeling all right for a couple hours. Yeah, even though if you're not going to be feeling all right for the next couple of days. I feel like this has got to be concerning, even if Dallas wins this game tonight, going into the Western Conference Finals, and then you've got the Stanley Cup Finals kind of on the on the verge. It, this thing may not be broken, but I'm not sure that you want a deep bone bruise on your starting goalie going into this kind of situation. Well, you know, sometimes that bruise is, is worse yeah. than feeling that broken bone because you're deep in there because it's going to keep aggravating you. Yep. Yep. And then Wednesday night, Game 7, the Colorado Avalanche at the San Jose Sharks. This is the one to watch if you want to watch a Game 7 because the Shark Tank will be freaking rocking. Those people in San Jose, you wouldn't think people in San Jose, California would be into NHL hockey, but boy, are you wrong. They love this stuff. Uh, last night, the Avalanche force a Game 7. It goes until overtime. They were up one nothing, and then it was 1-1. And then they were up 2-1, and then it was 2-2. And then they were up 3-2, and then it was 3-3. Like, Rick, it, it just felt like the Avalanche were going to lose this thing. They somehow hang on to get back to San Jose. But I don't like their odds going into the shark tank. The, the sharks smell blood in the water, and they're circling. Well, you know, especially how they got here. You know, barely just getting through the, the controversy for round one. You know, they're, they're hungry for this thing. They want to prove, you know, outside of that swoop that they were ready to move on into these playoffs, and that's what we got. Yeah, Vegas is sitting at home going, mm-hmm, hate all you motherfuckers. It's true. Let's talk about the XFL as we wrap up this week's HTM Sports. Huckleberry, we got the announcement of the long-awaited XFL TV deal. And this thing's weird, man. Like, looking at this deal, this thing <laughs> is freaking weird. Just looking at this thing on the surface, I think the thing that immediately stands out to everybody there's no broadcast rights. There's no freaking money here. What in the hell is Vince McMahon doing? I was going to say, you know, everybody initially getting excited because of the uh, the potential networks linked to this thing with the parent companies. You really dive into this. There's no money. Well, and it's, you know, is this on a short term note, diving in? I mean, where they can, where they're going to have to. It looks like it's a one year deal. Or it looks to me like a one-year deal. But, you know, but what we've just seen with the alliance, you know, where they were completely unable to sustain themselves, you know, financially, loan after loan, because they weren't able to generate anything and they didn't have any backing from you know, the outside entity like the NFL. Uh, this just seems that, that Vince himself is just is really hoping that, you know, people aren't really going to read so much into this thing and just kind of buy into him because of the affiliates. Uh, who's handle? Okay, but on this money deal, who's selling the advertising here? 
It sounds like the networks are responsible for selling the advertising here. Obviously, there has to be an ad revenue split. That that has right. to be and, what's and going on. And that's and that's what I, that's what I'm curious about. Because I mean, you would really you know looking at this thing from you know what is his cut? He has to get something. He has to prove himself to get something. That's going to come from the ad cut. Uh, but I was just curious. You know, in those lines, is he able to reach out and sell some of that own advertising? You know, just through the you know, the relationships that he's already established. Yeah, th- this thing is weird, man. The, the, the TV networks involved, you have ABC and Fox. And when we say ABC, what we really mean is ESPN 1, ESPN 2. And then we're right. talking FS1, FS2. Because it's with the Disney channels. And when you hear Fox and you're thinking, you know, SmackDown moving to Fox. But this, this thing isn't going to air on open air stuff. They're going to pull this thing back and put it on the second level networks. But that's my question. We wonder where is all the money coming from? Was this part of the SmackDown deal? Is this part of the reason why Fox paid the WWE a billion dollars for SmackDown? Was it for the promise of broadcasting rights for the XFL on nothing more than a freaking ad split? Well, and you wonder too, because from the very day that, the, you know, the very day they announced this relaunch and they established Alpha, was it? It's Alpha Sports, right? Yeah. Um, uh, that yeah, is Alpha the Sports. Parent Alpha Sports is the parent company from the XFL, and they, I mean, they went to great lengths to, you know, to really hammer home that these two entities are going to be completely different. Uh, that made a lot of sense in certain ways, which even then, you know, you have to believe there's backdoor dealings here in certain ways. It just seems logical to me, man. And especially now with, with Disney buying a bunch of this Fox stuff, and it's like, okay, so you, you can just, like, connect the dots and see how this deal actually came to be. And yes. it feels like some shady kind of stuff. Well, and, and I, what I really wonder here, and I'm just so worried about that. I, I do shady shit all the time. As soon as we get done with this, I'm probably going to do something shady. But but what, I, what I'm really curious here is this is a, a pretty good gamble by Vince. And I'd be really interested to see what that, that revenue, that, you know, that ad cut would be. Yeah, he's going to get he's going to get some prime real estate on some, you know, some good networks, you know, the featured sports. Let's not forget the Alliance. I don't know, you know, I, with their deals, I don't know what, what kind of revenue they were getting from those, but they were on some nice channels. I mean, they were, yeah, on, they were on CBS. Network, they were on CBS, TNT was carrying them. So they, it's not like they were, you know, just on these obscure channels, you know, like, you know, out there, not to knock anybody, we talking about earlier this week, like a Vice or a Stadium TV. I mean, they were on, you know, very well-known stations. It's just really a matter of, is there really a need or a consumer for more football? Well, now, I will say, you know, they, they ran uh, this past Monday or last night. I was at uh, at Raw Live, and when they go to TV breaks at home, they were running XFL commercials in the house. In house, uh, it actually was pretty well put together. Uh, very well, very well. Uh, great job done all around. It actually got you a little excited for the league. I also think it's a terrible idea when they're starting this thing. This thing's going to kick off five days after the Super Bowl. You know, we, we talk about the market for football a little bit. Yeah, we, we, we talk about the market for football. And is there a desire for spring football? Sure. There, there's going to be those football nerds that are going to watch it. But five days after the Super Bowl? Really? Well, you know, then it even brings into like the geographics. You know how cold some of those cities are going to be? Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, let's let's go to St. Louis at the end of February. Let me know how that works out for you. 
you know, no, up in New York, you know, somewhere up there. I mean, that could be absolutely brutal. And that's another great point that you're making there. You know, give people a chance to sit back and breathe, get, give themselves a break from from the you know from the NFL and everything you know, the excitement of the playoffs and all that, and the Super Bowl. Give them a month or so to really just sit back and be like, you know what? Yeah, I could watch some football and take the comparison out of it. Because immediately, if you launch five days after the Super Bowl, your first game is going to be compared to the NFL's best game. Because they're going to happen within the same week. If you don't come out and not only hit this thing out of the park, you got to hit this thing off of the freaking planet just to keep people enthused about it. It just seems well, like terrible even, marketing. You know, with, even with the rule changes, that's even outside of you know the, the subpar player, and I know they're going to be tremendous athletes, but they're not going to be NFL caliber. But, it, you know, one of the hardest things when we started watching that alliance, you know, the first couple of games try, trying to check that out was these rule changes. Yeah. So, I mean, they're going to have to really define themselves. Yep, absolutely. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's HTM Sports. Thanks for watching and or listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then make sure that you hit us at hittingthemarks.com for the entire HTM podcast network and more of Huckleberry and myself and our friends Joe and Carl and Robin Nelson and the PW Hustle Boys when they show up because, you know, they're on the Brock Lesnar schedule and Joe Atherton and we, we, we got all kinds of the Island of Misfit toys happening over at hittingthemarks.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo RBV. If Vince wants you to be a wide receiver for their awful St. Louis football team, where does he find you? Well, you can easily find me because I've been applying because I want to be on that live event crew. Uh, but he can get a hold of me across all social media platforms at the real RBV. But in closing, Jargo, I can't believe that. That, that you're kind of uh, blown away by the fact that we opened up hashtag HCM Sports talking about little men whooping ponies when we ourselves spend six hours a week talking about oiled up adults in their underwear. I need to go question my life choices. That's it for this week's show. We'll talk to you Friday. Hittingthemarks.com for the weekly flagship of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!